Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actionable Intelligence. Today is Sunday, August 15th, and this is the weekly market update. Again, the disclaimer, anything that you see or hear on this podcast or video is not to be taken as investment advice. I'm not a financial planner. I am not your daddy. Please do your own due diligence. It's your money. It's your responsibility. So kind of a announcement here, some house cleaning. I'm no longer going to have the reality check segment as part of the weekly market update. And it's for several reasons. Number one, the things that I want to say in the reality check are very provocative. They are very against the mainstream. Um, it's not stuff that, the, the, that you're going to see in a lot of other places. It'll be highly opinionated, of course, but I've been holding back for a while on some of the things I've wanted to talk about or some of the things I've wanted to say. And I've done that because, quite frankly, the, the medium that I'm using for these videos, YouTube, simply won't allow the discussions for some of the things that I want to talk about. And in fact, I would suggest to you that I'm already seeing, uh, well, I have seen my amount of views go down, my amount of subscribers go down. Now, I'm not going to be a conspiracy person. I'm just a rinky-dink uh, content creator with you know a few thousand people watching my videos. But um, maybe people are just tired of the content. Maybe people don't like what I'm putting out. Uh, some people want me just to stick to financials. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to split off the more provocative, opinionated reality check segments. And those will be published on other forums that are more conducive to free speech and open thought, like BitChute and Rumble. And I'll have links to those. So if you are interested in, as some people call them, my rants or some things that I'm thinking about, um, it's going to get a little bit more personalized about some of the things that I'm thinking about personally and some of the things that I'm doing personally. Um, it won't be for everyone. Uh, it will be uh, something that probably most people won't particularly care for, and that's fine. So um, that's it. I mean, yes, I'm still going to talk about things here. It's not going to be some dry you know, PowerPoint presentation like in the college class, but uh, I'll continue to deliver the financial news here, the weekly market update, the news and the trends that I see. And uh, the other format will be for some of the more opinion-based commentary. And, um, you know, I think it's best, the best way to, it allows me more creative freedom it allows me to say what I really want to say. Um, it doesn't violate YouTube's sensibilities uh, about things that they want to allow on their channel, which is fine. Um, and uh, hopefully that, uh, that will make everybody happy. So I'll put links to those notes. Typically, I'm going to be putting those out. Um, I'll just go back to putting the market report out on Saturdays. I uh, got a little bit twisted up this week with some busy things that I was doing, but I will, I work on these things during the week, put more time into them and then have them ready to go. Hopefully Saturday with the release of the market update on 
YouTube and then the reality check on Sundays uh, on the alternative sites. And so uh, I'll be looking for that and uh, just wanted to explain what was going on. So uh, hopefully if you're interested in that, you will, you'll take a look at it. And uh, if you are just want to get into the market commentary and get into what I'm thinking about or what trends we're seeing here uh, in the markets, then uh, this will meet your need on YouTube. All right, first this week, uh, just wanted to talk about uh, the IPCC report came out this week. And obviously, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. We must do something about climate change now. It's a catastrophe. We've heard this before. You, you know how this works, right? It's the end of the world as, as we know it. And uh, if we don't do anything, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into that. That's for the other channel. I'll be making some comments about that, what I think, how this ties into other events that were recently uh, seeing and uh, where I think that the, some of these governments are trying to push this and corporations for that matter. What I will say for actionable type events and for the investment implications is that this is just going to be another uh, example of supply constraints with fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are the reason that the world's going to end. Therefore, we must get rid of fossil fuels. We must get rid of them quickly. Uh, you know the story. We've talked about it many times. Uh, so the problem is, is that you cannot, uh, the supply or the demand for fossil fuels, we're finding, is uh, very sticky. You can't uh, just replace um, the level of fossil fuels that we need to maintain the civilization we have or maintain the standard of living that most people are, are comfortable with and are familiar with. And this is where we're going to get into some issues. And that's what I'll have to talk about on the other channel. Um, if the powers that be, the pointy shoes, the masters of the universe want to get rid of fossil fuels within the time frame they're talking about, that means a real big reduction in living standards for most people in the world. And I don't think that you, most people understand that. They're going to come to understand it, but as I will explain my views on the other channel, um, I don't think you understand how we're going to get there. Uh, and all of this stuff kind of ties together. So. Um, in the interim, uh, they're not going to be able to get rid of this. People still have to go to work. People are doing their little thing. People are traveling, living their lives, if you will. And so if you constrict supply, which is what they're doing currently, yet the demand does not go down and demand grows, in fact, which it will continue to do uh, unless it's artificially constrained also, then you will have a upward movement in prices, which we are seeing. And we will continue to see. And so I thought this uh, Rod Serling, somebody put these me. I like the memes, you know, that people put up on the uh, on Twitter and various other places on the internet. And says, uh, so that's all I'm going to say about this report in the, on this on this uh, weekly report. But uh, imagine, if you will, a world where people believe that the temperature of the planet can be controlled by giving more money to the government. I would say money and power. And that's uh, what this is about, right? So. The problem is, is that, like I said, that uh, we have a few billion people in the world that are entering, trying to enter the middle class, putting upward demand on these energy, uh, on energy demand in the same uh, time that uh, Western governments and the so-called powers that be are trying to constrict supply because uh, for whatever reason, under the guise of climate change, but I believe for other reasons. So 
regardless, uh, you know my view. I think we're heading to an energy crisis in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be a bad one. I think prices are going to go a lot higher than people think, and they're going to stay there for a lot longer. That's going to be a real shock for people. Now, this I find this amusing. I find this hilarious. I love this kind of stuff. I love when the hypocrisy gets exposed. I like when the sunlight hits the infection, if you will, and everybody can see it for what it is. And so we have a statement by the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, on the need for reliable and stable global energy markets. So the same week that we are um, talking to, talking about getting rid of fossil fuels, we have the Biden administration begging uh, OPEC plus to supply more oil and keep the price down because, you know, uh, politicians care about one thing and that's their jobs getting reelected. And we're on a two and four year election cycle. And if gas prices get up to three and a half, four or $5 a gallon, the current administration won't get reelected regardless of what, what they want to do. And you have a midterm election coming up also in 2022. Uh, and uh, this would be good. So let's just read this because this is hilarious. How do you square this? If you're a believer in climate change uh, caused by man and fossil fuels, if you want to get rid of everything by 2030, which is only nine years from now, it's not much in energy transitions. How do you square this statement with everything? So it says higher gasoline costs, if left unchecked, risk harming the ongoing global recovery. Yes, that's correct. And also your reelection prospects and the reelection prospects of your caucus in Congress. That's really what they should have added here, but they didn't. The price of crude oil has been higher than it has been at, at the end of 2019, before the onset of the pandemic. Yes, uh, it's called uh, when you have shut down the world economy and you lock in marginal wells and destroy supply, and then do everything you can since you've come into power to curtail supply, and then you have turn everything back on, uh, you, you have higher prices because the supply of oil was not sufficient for the demand. While OPLUT Plus recently agreed to production increases, the incre these increases will not fully offset previous production cuts that OPEC imposed during the pandemic until well into 2022 at a critical moment in the global recovery. This is simply not enough. President Biden has been clear that he wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy, including at the pump. I mean, let's stop. This is hilarious. Talking out of both sides of your mouth. You can't have both, folks. You cannot have both. Um, whether you agreed with what was going on, we had opened up our energy markets. We had, uh, you know, I wasn't a real big advocate thinking we were ever going to become energy independent. But uh, we, weren't constricting supply. We weren't going out of the way to constrict supply in the US. Now we've done that. And now we have the Biden administration going to OPEC plus, you know, the Saudis, the Emirates, Russia is involved in OPEC plus and begging them to increase the supply of oil uh, ostensibly to uh, not affect the economic recovery. Because in the end, money talks and BS walks. If the economy is not good, if, the, if we have an energy crisis or an oil shock, these people will not get reelected. They know that. And uh, so how do you square that with zero carbon by certain dates? Although we are not a party to OPEC, the United States will always speak to international partners regarding issues of significance that affect our national economic security affairs in public and private, and uh, ostensibly and not stated here, our ability to get reelected. 
We are engaging with relevant OPEC Plus members on the importance of competitive markets and setting prices. Competitive energy markets will ensure reliable and stable, blah, 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 blah. OPEC Plus must do more to support the recovery. They don't have to do anything. They're a cartel. They're there to max. So you've told them, you've told the world, the masters of the universe, the United States, the, the current hegemon that's in decline, the people in Europe, at the EU, and uh, you know their little stooges in Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, have Japan, have told the world that uh, we're going to go carbon neutral by 2050. Okay, zero carbon, I mean, and whatever that means, we don't know because it's not really defined. And yet, just right now, though, at least, guys, at least for the next, you know, election cycle, let's uh, increase the supply of oil because wink, wink, honk, honk, quack, quack, uh, we're not going to get reelected if gas prices are $5 a gallon, which is where they're heading. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this is hilarious. I mean, what, do any of you people listen to these people? Do you put any stock? So this is actionable. You know, uh, they're going to continue to curtail. We're going to have more slides about more lack of investment, more curtailment of fossil fuels. And then we're going to go begging for people that uh, are there to maximize their asset. I mean, if, if I'm running the cartel uh, and you're telling me that you're going to move your economy away from being fueled by the fuel that I supply, then why is it my interest to subsidize your economic recovery? My interest, remember, self-interest and incentives matter, right? That's what motivates human beings, not uh, altruistic uh, to help the Biden administration. They could care less. So th I thought this was hilarious. And, um, you know, you're going to see more of this kind of stupidity because, you know, we're being led by stoops. Whoops. So this was a tweet from Eric Nuttall. This is from the uh, Bernstein um, estimate or report about um, non-OPEC supply declines in oil. And this is non-OPEC ex-US liquids production will not exceed the 2019 peak of 43 million uh, barrels per day. So this is non-OPEC ex-US production. So what you're seeing here is, is that we're already seeing the declines begin. Uh, the forecast is that uh, we'll be declining. And this puts more power into OPEC. The call on OPEC spare capacity is going to increase every day going forward now because the, of the lack of investment. Uh, U.S. shale is not coming back. We're seeing, you know, with prices around $70 a barrel, we've seen some increase in drilling activity, but not a lot, not like we've seen in the past because the companies are holding fast on their commitments to be um, capital stewards, to return capital to shareholders, to pay down debt. This is what they've said they were going to do. And if you've been listening to the conference calls on a lot of these people that in, you know, the past have just went nuts drilling for the sake of drilling, uh, you've seen that uh, that's not the case. You know, you want to talk about a company like Sandridge that uh, basically um, was all over Twittersphere this week. Uh, it was a good uh, call by a couple of people that I follow. And it's a perfect example. The company's, you know, just now, I think, uh, has been restructuring and just blowing down their production, just producing, spending maintenance capital, not drilling new wells. And you know, their, their report currently was, the last report was, um, Tremendous, um, tremendous cash flow increases, tremendous, uh, you know, prospects for the company. And now they're talking about maybe drilling a couple more wells, but not going nuts like in the past that drove the company, you know, to bankruptcy.
And you're seeing that across the patch. If you listen to the calls, if you listen to um, what uh, the managements are saying, cash flows are coming in like crazy all across the board. What are people talking about doing? Paying, just like we talked about a year ago. I talked about this a year ago. We were on this. We were saying buy oil stocks. They're cheap. This is not going to go away. Okay. Don't believe the hype. And what did we say was going to happen? Increased cash flows were going to lead to pay downs of debt, which is good for equity holders, just like paying down the debt in your house, and then seeing an increase in uh, share buybacks and dividends. And that's exactly what we're seeing across the board from big companies like CNQ and Suncor all the way down to uh, a lot of the smaller companies. Okay. And so as debt uh, gets paid down over the next couple of quarters, you're going to see even more returns of capital to shareholders. And uh, this is just another brick in the wall of the why we're going to see an energy crisis. As I've said before, the extraction of oil and gas is an extractive industry. It is an industry that requires a tremendous amount of reinvestment of capital to maintain production. Every barrel you take out of the ground, you have to replace, or at some point you go out of existence as a business. And so that has not been happening for various reasons we've talked about in the past. And now we are going to start seeing the, the return of demand, which we are seeing. Um, the so-called variant is uh, petering out around the rest of the world. Don't take my word for it. Go to Worldometer. Yeah, it's being hyped up in the U.S. But if you go look at where it was hyped up, like in India and some of these other places, it's rolling over. And so demand will continue to come back. And uh, as demand comes back, the supply will not be adequate. We will eat through our um, uh, shut, shut down supply or, or backup supply, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the call on OPEC will get larger and their ability to uh, bring more production on will be limited. And uh, a lot of analysts are saying that we could be at the, you know, well over 100 million barrels a day of demand. Uh, sometime uh, early next year. And that's when the things are, that's when the crunch is going to start in my view, because uh, I don't believe, you know, you still have to account folks for the, you know, however you want to look at it, six to 7% decline rates, uh, worldwide oil production. So every year you're having to make up the fact that you have declines of six to 7% a year, which is six or 7 million barrels, which is the equivalent of somewhere between a new Iraq and a new Saudi Arabia every year that you have to find and bring online. That requires hundreds of billions of dollars of investment that have not been happening. So, uh, you know, this is, this is going, and then, you, and then you have artificial constraints being put on by governments and by corporations and by society as a whole. The new zeitgeist is to demonize carbon, to demonize the fuels that allow for the civilization that we take for granted. I mean, you can just see this freight train coming. So either you get hit by it or you step off the tracks and make money off it. Here we go again. There'll be a link in the show notes. This was a Reuters article. I've talked about other pension funds that have done this, but this is a pension fund in New York State. It's the third largest pension fund in the United States. It's going to axe coal investments and we will review oil holdings. And, uh, you know, this says here, the third largest U.S. public pension fund on Thursday said it is launching reviews over climate concerns on $640 million invested in 42 shale oil and gas firms, including ConocoPhillips, Hess, and Pioneer Natural Resources. So uh, there you go, right? They're selling off. They're going to sell off their uh, coal holdings for sure. And now their oil holdings because climate, you know, carbon bad, oil bad. 
I mean, I, I guess mo it's just crazy. It's just, I, I don't get it, but this is it, right? I mean, we're having, a, we're in a mass psychosis here. Article goes on to say the move by the New York State Pension Fund comes days after the United States, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reported global warming was nearly out of control and calling its findings, quote, a death knell for coal and fossil fuels. <laughs> <clears throat> Replaced with what? At what level of civilization? You know, somebody said this a wag on, I can't remember on the internet, but I agree with it. If you want to get rid of fossil fuels, then tell me how many people you're willing to kill. Because you will not have the population of the world be 7.8 billion people with people trying to enter the middle class without fossil fuels. It's just that simple. The technologies do not exist currently to sustain that population or have that population become uh, more comfortable or more wealthy without fossil fuels. It's just not possible. And so you can think that through yourself. I'm not going to comment. But this is another example, less investment, more demonization. Well, then the companies will just buy back their own shares. That's what they're doing. So um, I'm not, uh, I, I, I love fossil fuels. I think they enable civilization. Uh, they've brought us to where we are. They've extended lifespans. They allow for all the conveniences we have. And uh, that doesn't mean that I don't think that we should you know, move more to nuclear and some other technologies because at some point we're going to have to transition but these crazy, this crazy talk about just getting rid of all these, all of this right now because the Earth's going to end because of climate change is just crazy. It's just nutty talk. It, these people are nutters, and it's not being thought through what the consequences are. Now, the investment implications again are, you know, higher energy prices, which will mean, you know, I think you know, two hundred fifty, two hundred dollar a barrel oil for, you know, and a, a big decline in GDP and standards of livings will wake the average schlub up. Because even in a totalitarian state, even in a state, a monarchy or whatever, democracy, I mean, if the compact with the people is being broken, uh, most people are not signing up for this. They don't know what they're signing up for when they say, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all for the environment. Things are not defined, people are not being told, and they don't fully understand what the implications are. I'm sitting here in a neighborhood in the outskirts of Houston right now, and there's all kinds of bedroom communities being put up, 3,000, 3,500 square foot houses, track homes, shopping centers, freeway expansion, and uh, that's not going to, uh, you know, these people in their mind, that's what they want, and uh, if, even if they're uh, blue all the way through, uh, and I don't think that they understand uh, what the implications are uh, of what zero carbon means. And so this is an interesting tweet by uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth. And I did not realize this, but this was an interesting tweet. It says, on Tuesday, this was of last week, the energy sector capped a 19-day streak in which no member of the index traded above its 50-day moving average, the second longest span since the late 1950s. Data compiled by sediment trader shows. So that's very interesting. So you see how out of favor energy, the energy sector is, the energy stocks still are. They're lagging. And they, they shouldn't be, but that's part of the negative sediment. And that means there's still opportunity. I get emails and texts and direct messages. Is the rally in oil stocks or energy stocks over? No, it hasn't even really started yet. 
even though a lot of these stocks are up massively. And, 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 and now we have, these are like the larger companies in the S&P 500, but we have almost, you know, 19 days, trading days, where no member of the index traded above its 50-day moving average. And so we come down to what you really have to decide if you want to be an investor or speculator. It gets down to a question. It's an A or B uh, selection. A, you believe that fossil fuels are going away in a reasonably short period of time, and therefore these, com these, com these companies and this, that industry is in terminal decline and is going to go away, and therefore it is uninvestable. That's one train of thought. That's what that pension fund thinks. That's what a lot of the big shots and the pointy shoes are telling people. You're seeing it in the media. You're seeing it on CNBC. You're seeing it all over the place. Or you understand how integral uh, and connected into lifestyles and wealth creation and civilization itself that these fossil fuels are, and that regardless if we want them to go away, it doesn't matter what we want. The reality is, is that we're in no position to meet these targets. And that if you put artificial constraints on demand and, and supply can stays the same or, or goes up, which I'm suggesting is going to happen, then you're going to have a, a mismatch in supply and demand and higher prices. And so at some point, uh, that will become obvious to the market. The sediment will change and money will come back into the sector. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. But I think those are your two choices. And I think currently the sediment is stacked in A. Most people think that, uh, well, I don't know if it's most, but a lot of the money, the, a lot of the big money in the pension funds and ETF or, or investment funds are, are, are getting away from this. They're, you know, and, and they're forcing these energy companies to invest in things outside their sphere of competence, like renewable energy. So this is the way things are, and uh, we'll see who's right in the end. And uh, I think that uh, getting this right uh, is going to lead to the possibility of creating a tremendous amount of wealth one way or the other. So coal futures jumped to near decade high. This was an article, I'll put this in. We've been talking about this. You see what's happening here. Um, we're seeing some good, good numbers come in from the coal companies now, and uh, nobody wants to buy them. So... Again, uh, as cash accumulates in these companies, uh, they can only do so much with it, right? They can pay down debt and then they can start returning it to shareholders. They'll start buying back shares or paying dividends. So, um, and they're unloved. These are the things that nobody wants. Uh, and this is the kind of things that I like. So uh, just another indicator. Again, uh, people, you can look at previous uh, cycles this is for historical metallurgical coal, uh, coking coal. You can see uh, how prices uh, gyrate in the time frames that they stay uh, above uh, certain certain um, cycle averages. And say cycle average is one hundred fifty nine dollars a ton. Obviously, we're trading above that, and uh, you can see in previous times how how long we've stayed above that. You don't. That's why you can't be a linear thinker in these commodity markets. You have to take advantage when you see. You should be understanding if you're involved in met coal companies or coal companies that the, what the average price is a ton. Uh, and then if you're above that in the past, you can see that the average time frame of trading down here at the bottom above certain price. So you don't, um, you don't uh, have, it's not set and forget is what I guess the point I'm trying to make. Uh, these are not, these are burning matches. They are not uh, widow and orphans investments that you put in a safety deposit box.
but uh, they are ter tremendous ability to create wealth and uh, make money when the cycle is in your favor. So last slide, wanted to talk about this. I found this interesting. I really follow this uh, Crescat Capital. You can go to their website. Uh, I'll put a link to it. They have a lot of good commentary. They do a lot around the precious metal sector. Their fund is doing tremendous, even in the context of the precious metals market, not really doing anything in the last year now, the correction we've been in. But they put a lot of these good charts together. I find them interesting. And what you will note is... Uh, the top chart, they have a, it's the precious metals to commodities ratio, and they've taken the Bloomberg precious metals sub-index uh, and weighted it against or uh, compared it to the S&P um, equal weight commodity sector. What they've shown is that uh, right now precious metals are historically cheap uh, relative to commodities, and commodities are already cheap relative to like stocks. And what you've seen in the past, this is what I like to look for, these kind of historical markers, things that have happened in the past, can they occur again? For example, you know, uh, last time that we've seen these type of lows uh, or this type of ratio, uh, we've seen, you know, we happened in 2008, what did we see? We see a, a big move in gold prices uh, as commodity, as gold was relatively cheap to commodities, big move. Same thing happened in, um, uh, 2018, when we had a low in the ratio, and then we had another big move in gold. So we're seeing this again now. We had this, you know, we made this high, uh, and then you know this this is this is a multi-year move. So you can expect it the correction to be you know a year or 18 months, and I think that's what we're seeing. But what we are seeing here, what I am noticing, is this tremendous possible um, cup and handle, if you will. And if this turns out to be, you know, with the handle still being created here, this could be a like multi, if this thing breaks out, then typically what happens with these, what you want to see is this big bowl created or this cup, then this handle, and then typically this thing blasts off this way. And uh, that's what I suspect is going to happen. I think that by the end of this decade, you're going to be shocked at how high gold prices are. And again, uh, the gold companies that I own, um, even at uh, the gold price that we're at, even after this pullback we had from the last August highs of like two, over 2000, they're still printing tremendous amounts of cash flow. They're doing the same thing. They're, they've you know, got their operations under control. They didn't go nuts buying uh, a bunch of mergers and ac ac acquisitions, wasting money. And uh, they're seeing tremendous cash flows now. They're seeing the benefits of uh, this higher gold price. So um, another thing to look at, it's being ignored and uh, gold Gold mining stocks are like the worst out of favor industry that I follow. Uh, I mean, I, I have a description of stock charts. You can see the rankings of the different industries. I mean, nobody cares about gold mining companies. You know, everybody forgot them. Who would buy gold, right? Now, I would suggest to you that uh, with other commodity prices going up, you'll see the cost structures of some of these companies go up. But if you have a mine that's already in production and... Uh, you know, they'll see obviously higher energy costs as the oil price goes up. But uh, if you're trying to build a new mine with steel prices where they are and stuff like that, then these companies may want to hold off. And that, that would, uh, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts. You have to analyze these businesses too. But I think this is, a, I thought this was an interesting chart just to bring to your attention because we look for these things, right? We look for these, history doesn't repeat exactly, but it does rhyme. And if this narrative holds true, then we could be looking at a multi-year um, move in the gold price and this would be after a tremendous uh, move last year and then a pullback. 
um, this is an interesting setup is what is the point I'm trying to make. So uh, something to keep in mind. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, like I said, I will put a link if you are interested in hearing my conversations and my opinions on other matters, financial and uh, societal. Those will be on the other channel. I'll put links to that. I'll put links to the articles that uh, I were relevant for this week. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Take it easy.